right, here we go. Psalm 27 verse 4 says this, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. We're talking this morning about living an unshakable life. An unshakable life. Now, there are all sorts of things that we can do to try to live an unshakable life. We can, uh, we can have a resolve within ourselves to say, you know what, I am just going to not be moved. Uh, we can uh, go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist and we can get psyched up. Uh, we, can do, we can look in the mirror and say, you are somebody. You're important. You're valuable. And how many know that all of those things mean something in our life? They all do. And it's very important to have positive reinforcement, even when we're the ones giving our own self the positive reinforcement. But what you find is at the end of the day, those things don't last. They fail. Because when you're hyping yourself up, all it takes sometimes is for the next day to come and a bill to come in the mail. Or for someone to call you and, uh, you know, tell, tell you that they're offended by you. Or something can happen and it'll bring your mood and your attitude right down and you're ready to quit again. Not that positive reinforcement isn't valuable. But listen, in the end it fails. And so how then can we live an unshakable life? Well, here's my definition. The person that is living the unshakable life is the person, come on, that builds their life on the Word of God. The person that lives the unshakable life is not a person that just looks in the mirror and says, hey, you are somebody, important. Not just a person that goes to a counselor, important, but Ultimately, it's the person that builds their life on the unshakable word of God. For that person is anchored. That person is immovable. And that person is indestructible. Why? Because God said, when my word goes out, it never, ever, not even ever, returns to me void. My word is true. In fact... Jesus said, I am the truth. I don't just speak truth, but I am the truth. And so we build our life on the word of God. Therefore, you're guaranteed. And when I look at it this way, it gives me a new perspective. Because now I begin to think, what, and I'm not saying any names, so don't be offended, please. But what kind of a fool would not build their life on the unshakable word of God? I mean, do you want a roller coaster life? Do you want your life to be shaky? Maybe you like drama. I've, I've, I've known people who love, they gravitate toward drama. Come on. You know some people. You don't want to call them no names, but I know you know them. Come on. They, they love that sort of thing. Uh, but if you're like me, uh, you know, drama is, is drama and it'll come anyway. I don't go looking for it. It's going to happen. <laughs> Come on, I'm looking for a way to stand on solid ground. Uh, I'm looking for a way to say like David, I'll put my trust in him. Why? Because he delivered me. He brought me up out of the pit 
out of the miry clay. And he set my feet on a rock and he established my goings. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life where when the wind comes to the left and the right, I'm still going straight. When somebody's speaking in my ear, I'm focused on the goal. When God sets a purpose before me, there is nothing that can stop me from accomplishing the purpose that he set before me. That's the unshakable life that God is saying this morning, you can live. You can live the unshakable life. And so living the unshakable life, what we find is that we want to make some unshakable life declarations. These declarations are based on the Word of God. We go back to the Word. You can't get away from it. We started last week with the declaration. Uh, does anybody remember what last week's declaration was? Anybody? I will live life strong. Thank you, Jody. Say, I will live life strong. I will live life strong. That was great. This time, say it like you really mean it. Come on. I will live life strong. That's a declaration. I will live a strong life no matter what happens. No matter how many days. I've heard this and I know it is, it is so cliche, but it is so true. It matters not, uh, you know, how, how long and the quality of how long your days are. Come on, but what happens in those days that you have? What kind of a life do you live in the time that God gave you here on this earth? That's what he's concerned with. When we go to stand before God, he's not going to say, boy, you really did it. I am really so proud of you because you lived to be 118 years old. That's not what he's going to say. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because you did what I told you to do. You did just what I asked you to do and you fulfilled the purpose that I placed you here for. Whether you live to be 13 or 113, if you fulfill the purpose that God placed you here for, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what matters. And so we must stand up and we must say, I will live life strong. We must find the line of limitation and we must be able to step over that line with a declaration that says, I will live life strong. Nothing will defeat me. Nothing will get me down. No matter what it is, I will live life strong. In order to live life strong, God asks something of us. Our declaration for today is I will love God's house passionately. I've said this before, but I, I don't know how I can get it into your spirit and into your heart. And this has uh, very little to do with just this part of the body, life church, although we are part of it. But listen, I'm telling you this, I'm telling you this, and I'm telling you this. God is saying to you this morning, if you will build my house, I will build your house. Now you might say, well, that just sounds like a trade-off. <laughs> but have you tried to build your own house? I remember another verse of scripture uh, where David said, listen, they that build uh, without the Lord, come on, they labor in vain. Except that God build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And so now when I look at it through those glasses, all of a sudden it becomes so clear to me. Not just the even trade off. This is a give me. This is a softball pitch. 
You just want me to build your house, to do what I can, to build the kingdom. You just want me to go out and tell people about you. You want me to live a life uh, that you've given me to live. You want me to give in the house of God to help build his, your house, Lord. And if I do that, you'll build my house. Oh, I'd rather have him build my house. Because I've seen the houses that he builds. Come on. I've seen the houses that God, when God builds a house, come on somebody. So I will love God's house passionately. I will love God's house with a faithful and fervent spirit. That's what we need to say. And a heart of unwavering devotion, a heart of service, a heart of zeal. David said, I was glad. I was glad. It wasn't, uh, well, you know, it's another Sunday. I guess I better go to church to do my duty to check off the thing for this week that I did go to church. No, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Listen to verse 4 and 5 in the New Living Translation. David said this. He said, the one thing, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most is to live in the house of the Lord all my days. All the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfection and meditating in his temple. In other words, he said, I'm asking God for one thing and only one thing to make it the most important thing in my life. To live with him in his house my whole life long. I'll contemplate his beauty. Come on. I'll study at his feet. Psalm 26, 8, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 69, 9, because zeal for your house has eaten me up. In other words, David is saying, uh, I just want to be in your house so badly that it just consumes me. I think about it all the time, your glory. Why? He said it another way. He said, listen, in the presence of the Lord is the what? Come on, somebody, the what? It's the fullness. Of, it's not, there's not just some, well, you can be a little happy if you go over uh, to church and get in the prayer. The fullness of joy. And at my right hand, God says, are pleasures evermore. Why would you not love the house of God and not only love the house of God, but have a zeal for it? He's saying, come here. He's saying, come here to me. Come to my presence because there is joy in my presence. And guess what he's saying with that? Bring your sickness. Bring your disease. Bring your financial trouble. Even the ones that you've created. He knows. Come on. Uh, bring your relationship problems. Bring all of those to me. You can't fix them. How do you think you got yourself in this, in this situation in the first place? Come on, some of us. You can't fix it. Come to me. I, and listen, I, I, I have knowledge, God is saying. I have wisdom. I have answers. That's why David said, I love the house of the Lord. Psalm 84, 10, he said, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. You ever been in the tents of the wicked? I have, I have, and it's not a great place to be. Ah, I will love the house of God passionately. So here's what you find with lovers of God's house. First of all, lovers of God's house have made a priority value 
choice. In other words, what you've said is, I, what you said is, this means something to me. This isn't something that I just do like it's my job or I must go to the gas station or I got to brush my teeth because my breath will stink, you know, got to do that, got to wash up. These, there's things I just have to do because they're just daily things and uh, church on Sunday is just one of those things. No, when you, when you, are, when you have made that uh, faith declaration that says, I will love God's house passionately, you have made a priority value choice. You have said this, the house of God is valuable to me. I want to give you, I want to tell you, let you in on a little secret. God has said you are valuable to him. Come on, you mean something to him. You remember a little thing, an event that happened so long ago called the cross? I think he proved his love unto us. Come on. And it wasn't just up on the cross shedding his blood. Because Jesus put it like this. He said, listen, uh, you know, uh, listen, a friend, <laughs> there is no greater love than one to lay down his life, lay down his life for a friend. And we should know that just doesn't mean jumping in front of a bus and pushing the other person out of the way. That just doesn't mean donating a kidney. That means daily Jesus laid down his life. Don't you know there were things that Jesus wanted to do? I'm sure he was hungry. He was tired because he was wrapped up in this flesh for a time. Come on. The God-man was wrapped up in this flesh. He subjected himself to his own creation. And don't you think there were things that he would like to do? He'd like, he might like to watch the game every once in a while. Maybe he wanted to go shopping for some new sandals. I don't know. But people were always after him. Pray for me. Uh, I'm blind. Don't, don't, please don't pass me by. My son is sick. My daughter is dead. Uh, Lazarus, you here four days eating and Lazarus is dead. The one you love. Somebody's always. So he laid down his life for his friends. He laid down his life for you and I. There is no greater love than that. So he has made you a priority value. He made you a priority value when he created you and breathed the breath of life. He didn't have to do that. But he created you because he wanted relationship. David said one thing, one thing. And the one thing here, you have to look at it like this. It doesn't necessarily mean that there will be nothing else in life but just to be at church. That's not what it means. What it means is it's a priority value. It means it's on top. It means that's the most important thing in my life. God's presence is more important than anything else. Why? Because if you have <laughs> this relationship right, you'll have this relationship right. Come on, don't you know the meaning of the cross? Got to have this first. He said, seek me first. Seek me first. One thing is to understand what is first, that we keep the main thing, the main thing. Come on. One thing is a, it's almost a single-mindedness. God is the most important thing. Lovers of God's house will have that priority. They have made that priority value church, uh, choice. And then the second thing, lovers of God's house, they have also made, listen now, a heart commitment. This is, this is something from the heart. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. There your heart is. He said one thing, and then he said, have I desired? Desire comes from the heart. We need to learn how to desire the house of God. What is that? Desire means to inquire. It means to have passion for something. A strong desire. We see the strong desire that David had for the house of God. He was fervent for the house of God. He wanted it to be right. 
It's easy, and many of us have done it, I've done it. It's easy to sit back and see all the things wrong with the house of God. I mean, I look around and I see empty seats, and I, I see that this needs to be picked up, and, and, and that's wrong, and the, the temperature is not right, and the, maybe the grass is not cut. Somebody needs to do something with the flowers out there. I don't know why you guys have those rugs that way, uh, you know, in the foyer. Y'all need to do something different there, and there's not enough chairs. Why do you have tables in the missions cafe instead of chair? I mean, it's good. It's easy to look around and say, well, why you got those flags instead of the other flag? You need to... Somebody need to look in the mirror. Come on now. Because God's house is your house. <laughs> Come on. So it's to make a heart commitment. It's to, it's to be all in. It's to be what I call having some skin in the game. Come on, somebody. Have some skin in the game. <laughs> be stirred up. All right, you want, we want to make some suggestions. You know what? I think, uh, you know, we need to do this uh, outreach, uh, you know, and I just don't know why we do that. But you're only saying that to your husband or your wife or your friend. You never go and talk to Brother Keith or Brother Jeff about outreach. You never go and talk to one of the elders and say, I have a great... And I know why some people don't. Because they know if they go to Brother James and say, uh, you know, I have this great idea. Brother Eldon, you know, he might say, that is a great idea. Let's do it. Head it up. Start calling people. Well, I didn't mean me. Well, who did you mean? Have some skin in the game. Come on. Exodus 20, 35, 21 says, Then everyone came whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. They, their hearts were stirred and they came. They made a choice and they had their heart in it. They wanted to see it be excellent. Come on. That's what it means to be on fire and to be zealous. We need to see it. And then thirdly, the lovers of God's house have made a pursuit decision. They go after it. David said this, that will I seek. And God said this, seek me while I may be found. I don't know about you, but it, uh, you know, it, that's, that, that, sounds, that sounds good like an invitation, but it also sounds like a little bit of a warning. <laughs> because if you say, seek me while I may be found, that means there's going to come a time, come on now, where you won't be found. That will I seek, David said. I will seek it. I will seek it. I will ask. I will inquire. This implies uh, a being absorbed in the search for. I want more, God. I want more. I'm not satisfied with what I have. I'm not satisfied with just coming to church two hours on a Sunday and maybe I'll go an hour during the middle of the week and that's all I do. I don't pray during the week. I don't pick up my Bible during the week. I don't fellowship with anybody. I don't tell anyone about you, uh, nothing. Don't even listen to a podcast, uh, you know, a sermon, anything. Uh, it's just those two hours and that one hour in the middle of the week. Uh, but David said, I'm not satisfied with that. That will I seek. I need more. What does this mean, Lord? What does that mean? Yeah, I want to know about it all. God says, seek me while I may be found. And I don't care how old you are, you're still teachable. Come on. Because God is unsearchable. He's unsearchable. The universe is wrapped up in him. Think about that. So David said, I've made a pursuit decision. 
And then next, the lovers of God's house have made a placement decision. Come on, we are the planting of the Lord, Isaiah says. You're the planting of the Lord. You've made a placement decision. Where will I be? Where? Where? He said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. I don't want to be outside your house. David said it like this in a different scripture in another place. He said, listen, if I make my bed in hell, there you'll be. So many people are afraid of hell and afraid of places. Listen, I don't care where I am as long as God is with me. Because if God is with me, it's automatically heaven. Come on. If he's there, come on. I want God wherever you are. I've made a placement decision. I want to dwell, dwell. First Peter 2, 5, you, you also as living stones, as being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What are we saying? To be settled, to be set up in a home, to be in a place for a long period of time. I want to be rooted in a place, to be established, to be seated with a resolution. I've resolved in my heart that I'm making a placement decision. Listen, I want to tell you that uh, you know this as well as I do. Most of you, uh, you know, you can go around and look for all kind of different. And, it, and, and it's not just with churches. It's with a lot of things in life. But you can go around and look for the perfect church and you're not going to find it. <laughs> It'll be different. The, the worship will be a little different. The pastor preaches a little different. Maybe they have some different ministries. But all of the offenses, all the imperfections, come on, all of that is still there. Like that with jobs and everything else. Some people treat spouses that way. Their relationships. We're always looking for a better one. But at some point, we need to be settled in the house of God. God said, I have it all. What are you looking for? Whatever you're looking for, whatever you're seeking, I have it all. I have it here. What are you looking for? I'm looking for healing. I have it. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? I am it. I don't just have it. I am it. I'm healing. Where are you going to go? I'm looking for some financial stability. I have, I got the whole plan. I got, the, I'm better than Fidelity and the one with the rock. Uh, I'm better than all of them. I got it. I got your financial plan. I know how to do economics. I created economics. I know how to do it. Well, I need some better relationships in my life. I know all about relationships. Come to my house. I can tell you about relationships. Relationships that last a lifetime. Uh, relationships uh, where you are fulfilled. I know all about that. Is that what you're looking for? Come here. Well, I, I need to clean myself up because, you know, I, I have been doing some drugs and I've been drinking. And I Listen, I know about habits. Habits, I, I know all about it. I know about, come in here. Come in here. I'm a wonderful counselor. I know all of you. don't have to clean anything up. Come here and let me help you clean it all up. I, what are you looking for? Make a placement decision. And God says, come to me. I'll help you. And then number five, the lovers of God's house also. Now remember what our, our vision for this year is for this house and for you personally. It says, I have made a focus decision. I have made a focus decision. No longer am I going to be looking over here for the answer, looking there. Well, they didn't have it, looking over here. Come on. We heard the word of the Lord today. Sometimes we just don't wait. God has it, but we want it right now. 
And God is saying, listen, if you'll just stand in faith, if you'll make some declarations, I'm working it out. And, and many times what we don't understand about God is we're saying, well, God needs to work out my answer. Uh, you know, I'm here waiting for my answer. And what we don't realize about God is God already had, he had the answer uh, from eternity. He already, before you were, before he made, before the big bang, I'm trying to go back. He already had the answer. What he's really doing is working you out so you're prepared for what he's going to do. Come on, somebody. And that's what we don't realize. God, when are you going to bring the answer? When are you going to bring the answer? When are you going to submit to me? I already got the answer. Submit to me and I'll get you to the answer. Come to my house. <laughs> Make a focused decision. He said to behold the beauty of the Lord. He has everything that you need. Oh, but you know what? We're a society today. Uh, we need options. I mean, yeah, I like that iPhone, uh, but I like the other phone a little bit better. And, uh, you know, because it does different apps. And I like that computer and uh, this television. I need options. You know what? One of the things that I get tired of sometimes going out to eat is too many options. Just tell them, just have, to, just have chicken, you know, steak, maybe salad. Have about four things. And then, you know, I'll be all right. But I sit there because you got 250,000 things. And then when I say, yeah, well, I want the salad. Well, do you want it with tomatoes or no tomatoes? Do you want it with the cheese? Too many options, but we're used to that. And it's okay with salad. Not okay with the word of God. How many know that God is not a God of options? And we think that sounds, oh, not a God of options. That sounds bad. No, it doesn't because he already got the answer. You're not wasting any time. I don't need options. I already got the answer. Why go to different options when you already got the answer? You would call somebody a fool. You would call somebody a fool if they said, you know what? I need uh, $20 in order to go to the thing. And you said, here's uh, $40. And they said, yeah, I just, I need 20. Let me go ask somebody. You say, well, I'm, I'm trying to give you. Well, yeah, yeah, but I really need 20 to. Fool. I know what the Bible says, don't call anyone a fool, you're in danger of the hellfire. But come on now. We need to make a focus decision. Focus. Be focused. He has the answer. And then God says, the lovers of God's house have made an inquiring decision. I'm always asking. I'm asking for more. I'm asking, Lord, tell me about this. He said, and to inquire in his temple. That I may gaze on the loveliness of the Lord and contemplate in his temple. That means to investigate, to consider. Come on. You don't have to be a Bible scholar, but you got a Bible. Come on, read it. Read that thing. And if you don't understand the word, look at it. Come on, figure out the definition of it. And you still can't figure it out, ask somebody. Everybody's not Eldon. We all don't know Zechariah as well as he does. Come on. By the way, Zechariah, Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock. It's a wonderful teaching. But if you don't know, ask somebody. Try to find out what's going on. What does this mean? He, he inquired. Inquires to expect God to reveal. Do you not know that God said, ask and you shall? Oh, I wonder what that means. What do you think that means when he says, ask and you shall receive? Right back, come on. He's ask and I'll give it to you. Seek and you will find. But what is he doing? He's just requiring us to get up off the couch. I know I like using that analogy. But he, he's saying, get, I'm not just going to come to the couch while you're sitting on the couch, you know, watching the Home Shopping Network, not paying attention to me. 
Get up off the couch. Come to me. Ask some questions. I have the answers. Inquire. The benefits of loving God's house are twofold. One is this. God's house is my hiding place in time of trouble. You're going through something. It's not time to leave. It's not time to stay home from God's house. I'm just going to put it that way. I'm just going to say it like that, pretty plain. I know there's a lot of times when we go through things in life, maybe we get depressed, maybe things happen, and uh, we say, well, you know what, I just don't feel like going to church today because I'm a little depressed. And it sounds right to some people. Now, listen, I'm not saying you're going to hell if you miss church and, you know, or maybe you're even too tired or maybe, you know, you're ill. I don't know what's, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons, uh, you know, I'm not, but I'm saying when you're just depressed and you're feeling sorry for yourself, <laughs> church is not the place to say, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I don't want to deal with that today. You don't want to deal with answers. You don't want to deal with comfort. You don't want to deal with fellowship. You don't want to deal with what? Come on, it's ratchet. Come on. You don't want to deal with it. God's house is your hiding place in times of trouble. He is there for protection and safety, but also for the purpose of provision and blessing. Remember, his presence, in his presence, he has the answer. He has the answer. Don't never forsake the assembling together of the saints there's something powerful listen i know you have your war room and it's important have your war room please have it have a prayer closet because there's times where you need to go in your own prayer closet you need to get before god and he needs to deal with just you but i want to tell you something you are not an island jesus never created us that way it's not his will it's not his purpose for your life uh, to shun and to be away from the other saints will they get on my nerves yeah well you get on their nerves too come on iron sharpens iron come on and the sooner we realize that the better off we'll be we need to fellowship with each other we need to fellowship and then the second thing the second benefit here is God's house is my place to receive strength and stability folks we need some stability some of us need some stability in our life we just do I mean things are up and down sometimes I'm up Sometimes I'm down, almost level to the ground. I don't know. But some, some of us just need some stability. Psalm 26, 8, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and where your glory dwells. Psalm 36, 8, they are abundantly satisfied. Listen to this now. Watch it. David said they are abundantly satisfied. I love how God puts words in people's hearts in their mouth uh, that just speak of overflow all the time. That's what he's about. I'm not making it up. It's all through the word of God. How he talks about multiplication and overflow. God just doesn't do anything halfway, especially when it comes to loving you. He doesn't love you halfway. Listen to what the psalmist said. They are abundantly satisfied. Not just, they're satisfied when they come to the house of the Lord. No, they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you give them drink from the rivers of your pleasure. The ri not the pond, not the puddle, not the creek, but the river of your pleasures. God is able to do, somebody can finish it. Come on, it, Above all that you can ask or think. Amen. 
I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so one thing I have desired, get it in your spirit today, of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me and he shall set me on a rock.